Welcome to the final installment of Young Persons Radio here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, Colby Smith, and my guest today is the host of The Best Show, which airs live every Tuesday night from 9 p.m. to midnight at thebestshow.net, as well as the host of Double Threat, along with Julie Klausner. He's also a writer for television, a director of many a music video, the voice of Greg on Steven Universe, and my first question to you, Tom Sharpling. Yes. Does LeBron deserve the MVP this year, yes or no? He deserves the MVP every year he plays. <laughs> he is uh, he has never not been, except for the two years where he had injuries. He yeah. has always been. Um, he's always been in the discussion, and yes. anytime he's not in this, in not in the discussion, that means it's a year where they're trying to hype somebody else, and the narrative gets set pretty early, like in the. The Durant years and the just like those would always be just like you could put LeBron up against anybody at any year. Yeah. The guy's been doing it. It's ridiculous. We will never see that again. What is happening (laughs) now, we will literally never ever see again. Well, yeah. Well, I know uh, uh, you're in you're in LeBron's corner. I've heard you go to bat for him over in like the Jordan versus LeBron discussion many a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, I just I feel like look, obviously Michael Jordan, if you're going to say he's the best ever or the second best ever, I just think they're they're different in certain ways. I think I mean the 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 thing that makes LeBron uh unique for me is that he is he's literally he's like a video game come to he's like he's like an NBA 2k uh, 2k player like where he's like if you're playing it uh, you decide you're like yeah i'm gonna try to get like 10 blocks in this game and i'm just gonna make my guy do that and it's like he literally can do that he can decide on any given night he's like i'm gonna hit five threes or i'm gonna get five blocks or i'm gonna get 12 rebounds or or 10 assists and yes any part of the game is at his uh, disposal. And I think with Jordan, it's just like he just could not do that. But yeah. he did other things a little better than LeBron. But I think in terms of being complete, nobody has ever been as complete as LeBron James. Yeah. And the the longevity, too. I mean, it's like at this point, Jordan's on the Wizards, right? Yes. he's He's clogging up the Wizards. And um, it's a different yes. it's a different feel entirely for what uh, LeBron is doing yet again, and that part's also very different. He's just built like no one else has ever been built. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you a quick story about uh, the, maybe the the only NBA game I went to as a kid. I was like grew up in Maryland, and we went to see Jordan when he was on the Wizards, and I was so hyped. I was like 11 years old. It's like the perfect time to like go and see see a game. We got these great seats, mm-hmm. and it's like the game is they're they're down one. The okay. Wizards at the at, in the last couple seconds. I forget who they're playing. This is probably like 2002, 2003. Okay, maybe. and. They feed Jordan the ball at the like with his seconds to go, and he just bricks it. It's just like so yeah. bad. And I just remember being eleven years old, my little brother's there, and we're just walking away from this game, like, oh no, <laughs> like, yeah, what, what happened? Do we do now? Yeah, that wasn't supposed to happen. It yeah. really was not where that was supposed to go. But <laughs> he became human very quickly. Yes. Yeah. Did you see the last dance? I mean, of course you did. I watched like half of half the episodes. I just um Yeah. I thought it sucked, honestly. I thought it was a complete <laughs> I thought it was a complete uh it just it it, it was just uh, what's the word hagiography? Hey, 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 yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce I'm it. So but bad I with, read it. But that's what it was because it was just filtered through the guy and it's a, not a documentary. Yeah. It's a it's like a self it's just it was like a a, a a piece that just celebrated him, and he was the final voice in every discussion on it. It just wasn't. It was fine to see all the stuff again and everything, but at a point, yeah. I was just like, 
if I have to get more narrative from this guy, <laughs> I've been eating at that trough for most of my life, I guess, and it's or whatever. Yes. It's just like I'm, I'm I'm done eating at the trough of Michael Jordan with him s- selling me on who he is, with him <laughs> selling me on himself. Where it's like he did it in the past when he would do all these dumb commercials that created some illusion of a person that there's no way a human could live up to the thing he created. Yeah. And then now I've got to watch him redo himself again. It's like, no, well, you know, I've given this guy enough time. <laughs> I know what happened. I know they win. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They give the guy, the, the guy who wrote the Jordan rules gets like token five minutes. Yeah. And then the rest of it is just everybody being like, and then I realized he was the greatest there ever yeah. was. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, we get it. <laughs> the greatest. <laughs> Yeah, were you were you writing for Slam at that point during his like first finals run? Was I writing for Slam at that point? No, I was not. I was not yet. I I started um, right after he retired. That's when I started gotcha. writing for Basketball Magazine. It's the first retirement. Uh, that was a big. That was like the ninety eight ninety nine window is when I began. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I I didn't realize this. I was like, you know, doing my dutiful research uh, this uh, uh, before the interview, Tom. And I I don't think I realized just how much of just like you were like a beat reporter at that point. Well, I was working. I was working a regular job, day job, but I would write at night or go interview players at games after after work. Actually, I started writing for the magazine right in the year he retired. That that, that last dance year is when I would have started. Gotcha. But, um, yeah, I was working a bunch on it. I would take whatever, whatever they would offer me. I would take, I was so into it. Um, yeah, I wrote for slam and then kind of slid over to inside stuff and hoop were the other league magazines that I jumped on. So it was, uh, it was a, a fun few years doing that stuff. Yeah. Have you have you stuck to have you like dipped back in and out of sports writing? Like I I, I read a thing you wrote for GQ in 2011 about Durant. Uh, yeah, which uh, I was pretty. I don't know. I was I I under I undersold Westbrook in that thing because <laughs> it just Durant was such a um and still is just this transformative player, and it just seemed like. There have been Westbrooks before, but there had never been a Durant before. But then I think Westbrook kind of showed that there probably haven't been Westbrooks before either. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah, but he got through it. At that point, he wasn't there yet. So. Yeah. I mean, since we're talking about Durant, dare I ask how you feel about what Brooklyn's doing right now? Oh, it's fine. I'm I'm yeah. not anti-Nets. I just, I, I feel like there's just a sadness oh that will always be uh, that will always kind of hang over that franchise that yeah. is like they're people for some reason i don't know there's something they just don't care as much as they could for the nets no matter where they play they were in the finals twice and yeah nobody cared it was incredible <laughs> just the lack of the lack of caring, right? Was it twice they were in the finals? I think so. Yeah, I think it was twice. I can't remember anymore. But it was like that team was so good and so exciting. And they, but they've had those teams every once or twice a decade. They'll get an exciting team, and then it just whatever happens, it never sticks. Yeah, I mean, I've been to regular season Nets games that are like less than half full, mm-hmm. like in Brooklyn. Sure, like, I, I don't yeah. know what the disconnect is. It's just there's something there that just is not <laughs> exciting enough yeah, for people curse. to they don't go all the way in on it. Yeah. It's, maybe it's the gray uniforms. Well, it, with the Nets, the thing is, like, if you don't like one uniform, just hang on. Another one's coming because they yeah, it's true. <laughs> they have about 40 different uniforms. So if you don't yes. like this one, come back next week. We'll have new ones. Yeah. Uh, I heard you on uh, the flagrant ones go to bat for Harden a little bit. 
yeah, in terms of what he does, he's yeah. It's such a crazy style of play to be able to. Um, it's so deceptive. It's so incredibly deceptive, and you can't believe he he pulls it off with the frequency and the consistency that he pulls off that kind having that game. Yeah. It goes counter to everyone else's game in the league where it's low to the ground and it's just something you can't believe you're seeing it. Yeah. He makes people so mad though. How does he make them mad? I feel like I feel like every basketball podcast I listen to is just like, and now I gotta watch James Harden dribble up the court and drain all these threes. It's like yeah, don't you like te- watching people who are good at basketball. Terrible thing to look at. I'm <laughs> yes, so sorry. Exactly. <laughs> I I hope they can get through that. It's such a what a what an awful predicament to have to watch a a, a scorer score. <laughs> you think they'll win the East? Probably. I think so. I don't know if the Sixers are there yet. And Boston is Boston. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I think it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because the Sixers did take a step forward and um, yeah, but we'll see. It's It's an interesting, it's an interesting year because it's such a, it's kind of a bad season for everybody. It's so yeah. unenjoyable on some level because it's, just anything can happen and it's not they're not injuries that players are out for they're out for two weeks because of covid yeah i mean look at look at minnesota where it's like you had carl anthony towns was hurt and then he got played three games and then got covid tom he was my first round fantasy draft he was my first round fantasy pick also (laughs) you're kidding me i am not kidding you it's been a bad year but it's just oh, one yeah. of those years where it's like it's bad for everybody. Anything can happen. There's yeah, there were times a... when I would have five guys out on my team. Oh yes. Oh easily, easily. Yeah. It's hard to know when to like. I mean, I've, I have, I have, I like I like to like stick with my squad more or less that I pick at the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and this year it's just been like it's been I've been dropping people all over the place. It feels yeah. bad. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. I I like to make trades, and I wish I was in a. I I love my league. I wish people would make a few more trades in it. I just wish <laughs> people were not precious with everybody. that. Yeah, I just yeah. wish they weren't precious with it. It's just like just throw players all. This not real. This is not yeah, real. Seriously. Why are you <laughs> acting like it's real? We don't actually own these teams. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about a player I know we both love, which is Dame Lillard. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's the best. Did you did you read this Mark Spears thing on him a year or so ago in the ESPN magazine? Just this a big cover story. I might have. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. This is like talking about how he just like has this barbecue for everybody in his hometown every summer, and it's just like a beloved like fixture in his community. It was just like, how can you not love this guy? Yeah, he's the best. He really is um, just nobody more exciting than him Yeah, because he's so, and I just love how he acts like he's been here before. And the crazy thing is he has, like at this point he has been, he has been there to put away a series with a, with a game winning three. Like he's been here before. He's done it before. He's done. He's and he's sent teams home multiple times off ridiculous yeah. shots that are completely. They're not. They're not, he's not pulling them out of his back pocket. These are shots he practices, which is the mm-hmm. most exciting part of it. That he's out there shooting from thirty-five feet away regularly. Does he get extra points for you for staying in Portland for so long? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I like. I like that he is committed to having that team make a go at it. I wish he could get one more yeah. star to play along. I love that that Mello gets another final shot at, at showing who he is. Um, I just wish there was one legitimate star there with him other than McCollum would be uh, perfect. Then he would, yeah. Then he would have something brewing and then it would be a legit threat every year in the playoffs 
they come in and they have to work so hard to just overcome the regular season hole they put themselves in. It would be nice if they just had, if they were slightly overloaded and then could just have a higher seed and have an easier go of it in the first couple rounds. They was run out of gas by the Western finals because they're just, they've given everything over and over. And that, that, that play in last year was ridiculous. It was so cool. Yeah. And then it, they got to they got one win on the Lakers. That was exciting. Yes. I, I like that get, they got at least one. Absolutely. One more one more basketball question before we before we uh, yeah. kind of move on to other other topics, which is uh, uh, since we're talking about Lillard kind of staying on Portland for so long, I uh, I don't know if I've just been like I've just you know I've got like got my sickness listening to Bill Simmons all this time, but he's just like he's always whining about like player empowerment and this kind of thing, like people moving around from team to team. Do you like do you have a take on this at all? A take on Bill Simmons whining about things? Or <laughs> no, on please, players moving please around? Please go off. I, I make fun of the ringer maybe every episode. <laughs> now he's... Whatever. He's Bill Simmons. We shouldn't... We know what it is by this point. We yeah. cannot be surprised that Bill Simmons acted like Bill Simmons. That's <laughs> what he does, and that's why he's where he's at. Um, I... I don't know. I don't care. I, I I think it's good that the players can be mobile. I um yeah. I I um I don't know. It's an interesting thing. It's like sometimes I wish guys would stick with certain teams, but other times it's like yeah. It's it's like you think of like the careers that just got just whittled away. Mitch Richmond and. Just guys that got lost in Sacramento that should have been, that could have been showcased somewhere. And then by the time they get out, they're, they're just busted. They're not, they're not who they were. And, um, I I wish there was, I wish, I think that's a good thing. They get to see players be great where they can actually do something with it. But it's also, um, I like that there's players who, plant a flag and say uh this is where i am like like uh damian lillard just kind of yeah he's made it pretty clear but he also who knows if that changes too but i i like that for the time being he's where he is yeah have you forgiven lebron for the decision by now yeah that was just stupid (laughs) i mean it was just like i get it i mean i true i i understand him doing it but it was gross it was gross at yeah. the time, and he did. I'll say if, if the worst thing in his career is him having a bad press conference, then that is the most admirable <laughs> career you could have. And it's yes. just like for anybody to get on that guy for anything, they are barking up the wrong tree because the biggest the biggest check mark in his entire career is making a little bit more of a show out of him signing with a new team. And then he went back to Cleveland. That was like from a movie. That was ridiculous. Yeah. If that wasn't a movie, you would be like, that's too corny. <laughs> but he did it. Yeah. That's a good place to leave basketball. It's just like LeBron's the hero. Mm-hmm. Uh We'll we'll uh we'll segue into some music talk now, Tom. We okay. got a lot to get to. I you know right. I don't have to. I, we'll I'm there. not good at the transitions too much when it, the topic is big. Okay, but but <laughs> but uh um there are a couple. There's kind of like a I would say there's a handful of uh, I guess like classic rock uh, acts who we talk about on this show a lot. So we'll just like we'll go through a, a a couple of them here. And the first question for you, Tom, is how deep do you go on Bob Dylan? Um. Probably not as deep as as maybe you might think. Um, I pr- prefer vastly prefer the sixties. Uh, yeah, Dylan to the any any of the things past that. Um, yeah, big shock. But I know there's plenty of people who would go to the mat for all the seventies stuff, and it's like I like I like some of it a whole lot, and. Mm-hmm. I like blood on the tra- blood on the tracks a lot less than people like it. It never really yeah. did it for me, outside of me knowing it's great. 
but it's never sure. something I go back to. Um, yeah, I just the the run from sixty five to sixty six, all that stuff is the is the best for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you see the the no direction or not the no direction home the newer one the the Rolling Thunder documentary the Scorsese thing? Yes, yeah, yeah I, I liked it. I thought it was a little hokey in spots with the the <laughs> fake out stuff. I thought it was. Maybe not my favorite part of the whole thing to have like Sharon Stone as a teenager who was wearing a yeah. kiss shirt. I thought that was kind of dumb, <laughs> but um, I liked this. I liked it. I was and then it was weird for him to put. He literally put um, Michael Murphy's character from that thing he did he did i think tanner 88 and then they put that guy in as a character this thing that robert altman directed weird the weirdest choices but i like weird choices and things so i can't i'd rather them be a little weird with it than be uh just basically doing uh behind the music yeah totally i feel like like this era of Scorsese, not to go too far from Dylan, but this era of Scorsese, I feel like is is way weirder than people kind of give him credit for in a way. Like mm-hmm. he just does this random feature length documentary about the New York Review of Books. Like what? Yeah. Like you gotta respect stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. No, he's he's using everything he's earned. He is doing doing right by everything he earned and by whatever people have given him. Um, yeah, he's not. I I I don't know who else. You can count on one hand, I guess, people at his yeah. age who are still making things where you could put it next to the high points in in a huge career. It's you know I would put. Wolf of Wall Street and the Irishman oh, yeah. up up with the other stuff. And it's like he's doing this in his 70s, like well into yeah. his 70s. It's it's very remarkable. And I, I cool. yeah, I love him. Yeah. Well, I mean, Wolf of Wall Street, I feel like, has, has already kind of stood the test of time in a way. It's got like a great Leo DiCaprio performance. It's mm-hmm. super time. It only gets more timely. And it's just like, yeah, that guy was super old when he made that. Yeah. And he made this kind of insane, this insane movie that was like, uh, when people were like, nothing, they're just awful the whole way through. It's like, yeah, well, yes, they are. And that's, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's how those guys are. And they're terrible. And he shot it. It was almost like he was shooting like a nature documentary, just showing animals in the wild that's who they were they just they were not human maybe that's why it says wolf of wall street also maybe that's part of that totally uh going back to dylan for a real uh, real quick thing do you have any like oddball like random albums like from later on that you like or uh, i feel like with him people just kind of pick and choose after a certain point of him yeah no i really don't i don't like any of the stuff time out of mind i did not like that oh, yeah anything of the last I just don't like when his voice got to that that yeah. point where he is just so shrill and harsh. It just like it just isn't my favorite. I don't know. Yeah. I appreciate what he's doing, but I also think when he does live stuff, it just seems like uh an affront to the audience. Yes. <laughs> he uh um yeah, it's, do you think it's just because like people want it so bad to be good? You know what I mean? Well, he's he's there. It's like the idea that it's yeah. like it still is the guy that did the thing, and you still can't believe the guy who did the thing is in front of you is yeah. pretty impressive that you're on this huge planet. The person that wrote those songs is that is in the same building that I'm in right now is such yeah. a strange concept. And so I think people just are excited that he's still there and he's still doing something. Have you gone to see him ever? No, I never have. I never, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't, I did not like what I had seen. And I was like, 
it's not going to be different when I go. It's probably going to be a little worse and weirder. Yeah. But weird in a way that I'm kind of, God bless them if you love it. I yeah. It's not for me. I don't know. There's just, it's so jarring and having to like guess the songs. Oh man. Absolutely. I, I went to see him once in college, just mm-hmm. like with some friends and, okay. uh, we were just like standing next to this this guy who was like talking our ear off before the show, just like how many times he'd seen him, you know, because people just go like dozens of times. Oh yeah. And uh, at one point he played, I think it was John Brown, and this guy mm-hmm. literally turned to me and went, "Do you know what song that was?" <laughs> like yeah. this guy who had been for years had no idea yeah. what was going on. It's a student of Dylan, and he yes is barely hanging on. Yep. Yes, no, that's <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, it's just I I sometimes it feels like there's a line, and it's like, are you gonna if you cross this line? It's like the Rubicon. You cannot go back, or you're past <laughs> the point of no return. And I have not felt that way with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on to another one, another big guy we talk about a lot, Elton John, okay. pro. Sure. Yeah, I'm very yeah. much pro Elton John. Yeah. I feel like he uh I feel like he has to fight for respect sometimes. You feel that way? I do too. Yeah, I think I think you put those first put those first five albums up against anybody's first five albums. Yeah. I would say absolutely. I just I yeah. don't think I think Tumbleweed Connection is amazing and Yeah. I'd put those those the hits are are undeniable the guy was like a one-man Beatles for a lot for about 10 years he was his own personal Beatles the those accomplishments are easy to lose sight of the windows when somebody was just white hot and untouchable oh yeah it's very easy to lose sight when they're when you factor in the the kind of the thinner stretches (laughs) <laughs> yeah Kinda. for sure yeah well, and made made like that stretch where he's making like two albums a year and they're mm-hmm. all great it's just like like it's so unique oh yeah and touring like crazy too he was just yeah. he was just on this treadmill you cannot believe he was operating at that level both in terms of being a live performer and just then writing the songs and then recording the songs. It's insane. No wonder he got all, uh, all jumbled up there in his Donald duck (laughs) costume. He didn't know what was going on anymore. That is one of my, I mean, like, I feel like for me, it's just like, how can you have anything but, but respect for this? Like, this is the biggest oddball and yet is yeah. like the biggest rock star on the planet for, you know, six, seven years. Yeah. It's a it's a tricky it's a tricky spot because he's he's in the middle of singing uh sorry seems to be the hardest word, but he's wearing a Donald Duck outfit. It could yes. be your fa- most yes. emotional song you ever heard, and he's undercutting it in the dumbest <laughs> costume you've ever seen on a stage. Uh it it makes me think. Is there like? I feel like you can count on one hand. Maybe it, who are the people who like stayed good throughout? Because I I mean we're talking about how like Dylan falls off, Elton definitely falls off. Like mm-hmm. who? Like Neil Young probably is one who stayed good and weird. Yeah, he gets weirder with every passing year. He's truly strange, and he has embraced. <laughs> his own weirdness and it's just normal to him, I guess, but it's yeah. weird to the rest of us. No, he's, yeah. I, I love him. Can't love him any more than I do. I was going to say, thank you for not accusing me of pandering to the guy who's got the so far. Thank you. Yes, please. The podcast. Yeah. The <laughs> a podcast where we, we go album by album year by year through all four of their careers yikes there are some <laughs> we just recorded one that comes out i guess the end of the week or next week that is rough stuff yeah <laughs> 85 86 87 oh, 88 brother. those are some those are some brutal years for the 
for the foursome. Yeah. Were you like me just like like eating up those like fireside sets he was doing at the beginning of the lockdown? Yeah, I loved it. I was excited by them and then I would watch him do like a thing on like a Bernie feed or whatever. He'd be like, yeah, Neil Young's going to be on a Bernie concert thing. And then it's bouncing all over and he would do one song It'd wait there for an hour and a half. Then he does Heart of Gold, and then you're just then he ends it, and you're like, "Yeah, what? Eh, I don't have anywhere to be anyway. I can't go anywhere. <laughs> what was I really so busy doing? I can't can't act too mad." Yeah, are you uh, are you someone who like goes deep on bootlegs and that kind of thing too? With with Neil, um, yeah, yeah, I I like I like poking around and seeing what's what with live stuff. It, um, there's so many good live shows and I mean, I don't, I'd rather listen to studio records ultimately, but I, if the, if yeah. it's the right era of the band, right year, I would, I'll look for shows for certain windows and really, uh, kind of mine those. Yeah. I think he's, he's fun in that regard because he really like rewards the hardcore fan. Like he's kind of always putting stuff out that, that is new or just like yes it's like oh it's another tuesday neil young put out something from the archive you know what i mean oh my (laughs) god yeah no that's what he's really doing lately he's really he's announcing a thing like you said yes so it's every week there's some sort of thing is coming out and he's not stopping it's kind of amazing yeah, I, I feel like I've completely left. Like, I follow him on Instagram, and I, it's just like I'll be scrolling through and just be like, oh, cool, another like <laughs> another full-length yeah. show from <laughs> 1976 is here. Yeah, and you're just like, eh, okay. If it's not the right year for you, then you just wait. There's another one coming, just like a Nets yes. jersey. <laughs> another one right around the corner. You don't like this Neil album? <laughs> Sit tight. He'll bring another one to you in two weeks. Do you Do you go for Springsteen at all? Oh yeah, I'm from New Jersey. You have to. Oh, sure. If you're from New Jersey, yeah. you don't have any say in it. But I like I like a certain era of Bruce Springsteen a lot and then the rest not so much. Um but I like the fact that he is who he is and that he just kind of does his he, he he's just him. I like these these guys and not guys who stick to their guns and do what do their thing, and they just like I, I like when when these artists can fight off the urge to become like a legacy act, and if they even if they're never gonna beat what they did or match what they did during their prime years, they're still they're still chasing something, and that's that's worth it. That's you got to get points for that. Even if you don't get all the way there, you get points. Yeah, I, I know you were uh, you were tweeting about Rosalita not too long ago, so I mm-hmm. thought maybe there was something in there. Maybe there was a little bit of a Springsteen revival happening sure. in the old stereo. No, I love Rosalita. I love so much. It's like, I think uh, that's probably my favorite of his, his uh, big epic things. I yeah. like that the best. I think it's yeah. funny. It's, um, yeah, it's like it's it's like lighthearted in a way that mm-hmm. some of the other ones are not. This is the this is like where I get like I get why people are not into him because sometimes there is just like this crushing earnestness at play, which mm-hmm. I think is usually a strength. But like if you're not it, co- coming to rock for that, then it's like yeah, this is probably not your guy. Yeah, no, there's it's you're not going to get a whole lot of. Um, He's not a guy who's about like clever word play and stuff like that. Yeah. His message is always direct. It's always he's very you get what you get what you get from him. Like there's no there's no there's not a whole lot of artifice where he's suddenly pretending to be someone else or or it's just it's 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 pretty much what you see is what you get with him. And it's fun. It's fun stuff. It is. It's fun. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it's fun. A uh, couple more music questions for you. One, I will tell you, Tom, that I, at nearly 30, am finally getting into the Rolling Stones. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. 
Thank you, thank you. Uh, uh, do you have a favorite album of theirs? What do I like? I like my favorite two are Let It Bleed and Satanic Majesty's Request. It's just like nobody, everybody hates that album. <laughs> the band hated that album. I think it's an an amazing psychedelic. It's like a psychedelic bummer blues album. Yeah. That's so good, and the pop songs on it are outstanding, and it's just, and I really, it's like, who cares that the band doesn't like it? I don't care. The stuff they like, they love things about their stuff that is stuff I don't like. Yeah. So maybe I love one that they don't like. It happens. <laughs> There'll be listeners to the best show who'll be like, oh, remember the time you got mad, and then that's my favorite episode. I'm like, the one where I got mad is your favorite episode. They're like, Oh, it was so funny. And, but then it's, it's like, it's not my, um, it is not my place to like disabuse anyone of something that they like. Like, that's how I look at that is like, if you like sure. it, maybe you're seeing something in it. I'm not saying whatever. I like yeah. weird corners of people's catalogs too. So, me getting mad the episode where i got mad if that's your favorite one i'm glad i can make something that was your favorite anything yes <laughs> uh one more one more music thing is that i was a big low times listener mm-hmm. um, a podcast i did with with daniel ralston and maggie sirota where we interviewed all sorts of uh, m- musicians and people in the world of music yeah, and uh, I was I was there for the live show at Union Hall, and I, I wondered if you could talk about uh, getting Alan Vega of Suicide to do that. Oh, that was amazing, and I didn't get him. Uh, Daniel, I believe, got him. Um, gotcha. Booked him for the show. I uh, no, I liked that show. That was a fun night. Um, but uh, getting to talk to Alan Vega was uh, a real thrill one of the architects of a whole lot of things like of many things he is the architect um yeah now it was amazing and getting to ask him about the frankie teardrop challenge which is a thing yes. i've been doing on the best show for a long time where if you listen to the suicide song frankie teardrop which is one of the scariest songs ever you listen at night on your headphones by yourself and you see how long you can keep going how far you can make it and then there'd be people listening to it in the woods. Yeah. People listening in a cave. Weird challenges that people would put upon themselves to see how hard they could make it on themselves. And it was, yeah. No, so getting to talk to him was amazing. Yeah, it, it was It was a, a really, because it was like the guests were not announced beforehand, if I recall. So it was like, it was a big surprise that he was there. Cool. Yeah, that's. I think that's right. This kind of this kind of leads into maybe one of my big questions for you, Tom, uh, which right. is, you know, I guess one of the most impressive things to me about the best show is that it kind of just like it isn't any one thing. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's a call-in show, and like there's always a worse call. Like it has these these defining features, but it's not defined by a hook. Like, okay, like this is a show where we watch like one episode of a TV show every mm-hmm, mm-hmm. week. Sure, uh, sure. It, it's like big enough to contain all these things you're interested in, whether it's like basketball or music or comedy or, and all, all the calls and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess like, like you've kind of conducted your career in the same way, in a way where you're just like, you started out like writing about basketball, then you write for TV. And then like music is always kind of happening uh, at the same time. And I, it, you, you, you follow the muse, I guess is like what I'm trying to say. And I, I'm wondering if you've ever felt pressure to like stay in a certain lane or like, like get, boxed in more or or i guess sort of what your thinking has been on that well that's a very good question um i guess i would say that for better or worse the die has been cast and this is how what this show has been is what it is and it one of the gifts of it is that it's i can do anything i want with it but then one of the uh, drawbacks, I guess, would be that it's hard to explain to people what it is exactly because it's not formatted so rigidly that you can set your watch to segments and things. It's not. It's whatever I'm feeling like doing is what it is. 
And that's kind of what it's always been. And I know that makes it hard for people to, when somebody's like, you check this show out. It's like, what is it? Well, it's three hours long. They're already like, oh no, I can't. (laughs) Because it was a radio show is why it's it's long because it was a radio show and that's long for a podcast. It's not long for a radio show. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it really is. It just is. It's where we're at. Uh, there's kind of I wouldn't know how to change it and narrow it down at this point. It just kind of it works for what it is. And if that means that not everybody can listen or get on board, then that's, I guess that's what that is. And I will take that in exchange for being able to do whatever I want. Talking about sort of, uh, um, you know, sort of the comedy scene for lack of a better term. Um, do you, you know, you, you are in a kind of a good position where you've always kind of you, you like performing live is something you do, but you know, it's not something that you make your, your bread doing, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, do you how important do you feel like perform like the live performance aspect is to like like comedy as a whole and like are we like with since we can't do it now with the pandemic going on like do is or is the future of it in question you know like what oh i i mean the future of it for other people getting on stage or the future for me getting on stage for for other people i guess i think it'll be all fun. every that'll pick right back up people love seeing live stuff i love seeing live stuff i'm excited to see people get back up and start doing their thing again if that's the place where they do it best and that's what it's going to be like a lot of stand-up you see these some of these zoom stand-up shows and they're hard to watch because it's just an unnatural thing and people are trying to make the best of it i get that but it still doesn't mean it's it's good it can be pretty pretty rough um, and I think people are going to really be dying to see live stuff again. Um, I'm kind of grateful that my things generally don't require me to be in front of people to do them. Right. So it's been a little bit of a, um, I feel like I dodged a real, uh, dodged a real crisis with that. Cause if, if it was all yeah. contingent on being in front of people, it wouldn't, it, I wouldn't know what to do. But it hasn't, so I'm stayed holed up and doing my thing without people looking at me. Yeah, yeah. Would you? Would you and John ever tour again together? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, yeah. We've talked about it. We were planning on some stuff, and then real life intervened, and then pandemic intervened. So we yeah. we, we 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 would, and I believe we will. I know you're you're in the the LA area now, but I, but you were also you were in New Jersey and New York area for for so long, and, mm-hmm. and you know we're kind of I hope you don't mind me saying we're kind of a fixture of that <laughs> of that scene. Um, did did you see any like big changes in the time you got to observe, uh, you know, and, and take part in? Obviously, um, you know the, what the comedy scene in New York sort of looked like and meant in in the time you were a part of it. Hmm. You mean in terms of the changes, whatever? I mean, it was, I don't know. There's so many changes. I saw the, I saw the rise of the UCB theater. I saw that was, there was no such thing as that. And yeah, improv was the dirty word at that point, And they changed what that was. And that was an exciting, exciting wave. And then, yeah, seeing all the podcasts kind of blow up over the last however many years is is great because it's for some people. It's great for some people. Some people are just doing it because it's the it's a medium that allows them to hopefully get a television show or to promote their stand up or whatever it is. And right, I I I just I've always just had such a love for this form so whenever people kind of jump on and they're doing it with an ulterior motive it um it's never my favorite thing but i just uh look i get it but they're they're doing their thing and everybody is just the one doing it it's like oh i'm just doing my little podcast over here but when you add them all up they're killing the move they're killing the the medium 
Yeah. Because it's just cluttered with all these podcasts that are just very lazy and it's just it's a it's a it's a little bit of a bummer because i know what radio can be and i know what podcasting can be if you love it and you care and when people are just like no it's just sitting around goofing off with your with your buddies it's like no it can't that can be part of it but you gotta have something to say or you gotta have somewhere to go with it and I feel like they're going to create a sense of exhaustion. There's already like guest exhaustion with oh, those yeah. things. You know, the same people on the same shows. And um, then there's just all these comedians that have like six podcasts. <laughs> and it's just like, do one great one. Seriously. I'm only, I'm only doing these new ones because I've been doing the one thing for so long. It's a it's a chance to do different stuff, but it's like I've, I've I've earned the right to do that. It's I just think it makes it confusing for listeners because then they're just not even they're like, what? How many of these are there? I'm OK. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is a, I'm tired when they hear <laughs> that there's like. Oh, this comedian, they have this podcast, and then they have this one that they do with a different guy, and then they have this one that they do with a different guy, and you're just like, man, I guess that's the thing with the best show is like, on the whole, I just did them all within the same show. Like, these things that people do, like six different shows to do, I just call it the best show. (laughs) It's not like I'm doing, oh, well, this is the show where I do a a puppet, and it's like, that's the puppet one. It's like, no, it's in the best show. Or no, this is the one where I do sound collages. That's this yeah. podcast. It's like, no, I just drop it under the same same big tent. So, yeah, I'm fine with it. But I feel like I have I got to the point. I took it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Yeah. Well, there was a stretch where you were doing these like like little alternate universes like mm-hmm. in the show where like you were doing whip talk and yeah. like <laughs> stuff like that. Well, that's that. coming. And it That'll was... come back. That's coming. Okay, back. that's good to hear. Well, yeah. it was like I definitely at the time I was like this is this is his way of being like, yeah, you want a million shows? I got mm-hmm. a million shows for you. It just it's like well, yeah, that to me is my favorite thing. Those are coming back. I just it's been I've been slightly hampered from a technical standpoint with certain things oh, yeah. that is finally, uh, I think we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and I can do the full range of stuff I want to do on the show again. Right. Uh, so, and that's one of the things that has been a little bit of a casualty of, of stuff, but that'll, that'll get sorted out and I want to go deep into that again. I mean, that stuff is so fun. I mean, I got to tell you, too, since we're talking about about Biz from the show, is just like there was a long stretch where you were like the last the last like couple minutes of the show were just like a long running bit, whether it was like the the Rocky speeches or like insisting that the my personal favorite, I think, is maybe insisting that the final caller was a a peeper. peeper. Yeah, that (laughs) I was thinking about that the other day and I was like, did I really do that? And I was just like, yeah, I was. I was doing that regularly. That was like every caller was, every time it was the final caller of the show, I would just infer that they were staring in in windows. And it was just like, I did do that. Wow. (laughs) I went all the way in on that. That was, yeah. but that's the, I forget some of these things sometimes because I do, been doing it forever. But it's like, if I forget it, I'll just, Remember a new one. We'll come up yeah, with a new one. For sure. Um, a couple more things, and then I'll let you go. But uh, um, I, I want to ask you how how um, how working on the book has been, because I know that's coming out this summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it was hard. It was very hard. It was the hardest thing I ever did uh, in any kind of creative thing, and in most personal things, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. It was exhausting and really challenging and it's but it i'm i also am not a big like you know it might seem might seem like i am contradicting myself since i have a show called the best show but it's just like not um i i, I like i'm not big on being like yeah that was awesome 
like it was like oh, i did this yeah. thing and it was awesome like i don't ever feel like that i see what didn't work with it what could have worked with it all that so that's all i see and um but with the book i really do feel like no this is what i was i did this the right way i'm proud of this yeah yeah that's awesome that's got to feel amazing it really does it's, that's it never ends right it never ends this july this july gotta end with a plug it wouldn't exactly. be a radio show without ending with no a plug. without a plug and speaking of ending you're ending this yes this is you're the final guest tom well who have you had on well uh some people you know barry Houlihan. that's right uh uh jason gore not too long ago actually okay that's uh, great i mean no, uh, let's see. Do you know Sam Taggart? Uh, I do know Sam Taggart. He wrote a book, right? Oh, you know, I don't think so. Maybe he did. Maybe he just never told me. <laughs> no, that's long. Well, I'm going to look this up right now. Holby, we got to check this out. This uh, he, he was a, a he was a collaborator of Mary's. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm thinking of a different Sam. Sorry, he didn't write a book. <laughs> no, Sam Taggart I mean, didn't write no books. <laughs> Unless he wrote the experts, the ABCs of closing by Sam Taggart. I think it's a different Sam Taggart. Yeah. No, I like, I, I like, the same I like Sam. I'm confusing my Sams. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Sam Taggart. Yeah, just no problem. <laughs> Joe Rumrill, you know Joe Rumrill? I know the name. I think I might know him. I'm bad. That's so right. much of that. <laughs> you know, just your your, your box standard uh, uh, New York alt comedy people. Sure. On a bunch. Yeah. So um, you're packing that tent up, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, packing it up. Yeah. You, you know, it's, 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 it's. Thank you. <laughs> First time, long time, right? Another one in the wake. <laughs> That's why I came on the show. I got to just tell you I defeated you. Yes, My show's did. continuing. Your show started after mine and ended before mine. <laughs> I will say, in my another defense, show under the wheels of the best show, <laughs> ground into dust. <laughs> Although, in your defense, four years, two hundred episodes. It's very good. No, that's that's Thank you. that's amazing. You made a you you did it, and you enjoyed it. Oh, certainly. Oh yeah, you're gonna miss it. I think you're I am gonna start gonna miss doing it again. it again at some point. I I've definitely left the door open with the station, and they're just like, "Yeah, come back mm-hmm. whenever." I'm like, "Great, okay." And what's making you stop real life? Yeah, I I uh, work full time, and I just started doing this other other podcast. This little more like straight comedic. Uh, um, so mm-hmm. I want to give it's you know with with the full time job, it's like it, I only have room for maybe one. You got to pick your spots, life. yeah. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, and then you know, well, trying trying to take time to do more more writing and stuff instead of just talking about it. You know, sure. No, that makes sense. <laughs> Look, you take care of business. You take care of the other. What's the other podcast called? It is called Honey Baby Sweetie Love. It's a parody of like romance podcasts. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, it's, it's always there for you. That's when right. you want to go yeah, back. I'm, you're you're. You're one microphone and one record <laughs> button away from being right back in it. That's right. Uh, well, I will just tell you, we got one more one more quick, like, we have, like, a questionnaire we do with every guest at the end of the show. Sure. So I want to do that with you. But first, I, I do want to say thanks again for, for doing this. Um, and I will just tell you, and I know that many before me have probably said something to this effect, but, uh, I mean, I, when I was in my... My early twenties, just like working a desk job that I hated, but you know, felt felt like I had to keep. I would just mm-hmm. sit at my desk. I would go on the WFMU archives, and I would just like pick. I just like picked. Okay, two thousand eight. I'm just gonna go through from here. Uh, and I wow. would, that really got me through those early early like New York years. So just wanted to say, and I, I you know, I'm sorry to put this on you on the air, but uh, just wanted to say thanks for, it's all for right. that. There's look, there are worse things you could do than to compliment me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna be like, oh, I was having a good time. Then you started complimenting me, and I got all <laughs> mad. I got so mad you wouldn't believe this guy started complimenting me at the end, saying how much the show meant to him. Where does he get off? <laughs> no, it's nice. You say nice things. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. 
Yeah, it's a, it's I'm a glad the show. Mine. I'm glad the show could mean something to you. Absolutely. Um, all right. So real quick, we've got our. This is uh, uh, the final segment, uh, Tom. This is the. This is four questions we ask every guest. This is a young person's radio guest questionnaire. Are you ready? I am. First question: Karaoke, open bar or private room? Private room. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. I'm in your, yeah. your camp with that one. Question number two: Say you you've got a cold. You stay home from work. You're laid up on the couch for a day. What show do you put on while you heal? Seinfeld or Impractical Jokers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, question number three. You find yourself in a casino. You look down in your hand. What's that? It's $200 worth of chips. Now, this money is not your money. You found it. You don't know where it came from. It's not from your bank account. What game do you play first? Uh, I play a movie-related slot machine. Oh, yes. I mean, now we're getting into classic best show territory. Yes. <laughs> Whether it be Anchorman or Lord of the Rings. I never even saw all three of those movies, but I've played the slot machine. Yeah, probably uh, Anchorman. Yeah, okay, nice. The Anchorman slot machine. Yeah. Uh, and finally, the final question, uh, Tom Sharpling. What is the dumbest thing that's made you cry? Oh, um, it's, it's, it's an obscure one, but um, I can get legitimately choked up if I'm watching... Say I was watching a Spider-Man movie or Superman 2. Yeah. And... Anytime the bad guy's trashing the city and then then Spider-Man or Superman stand up to them and suddenly get just like whomped and they're just like knocked around, especially with Spider-Man because people like people have mixed feelings about Spider-Man in New York City, whether he's a vigilante or a hero. Yeah. So he gets crushed and then suddenly the slobs, the regular people powerless they go hey you can't do that to spider-man <laughs> and then i get moved that people without powers decide to first of all stick up for they declare the guy that he was a hero after all that they loved him and then on then that they will fight that they will fight pick up where spider-man left off and try to fight this bad guy, even though they have no powers. And then the bad guy will, like, knock him over with, like, a gust yes, of wind just, or something. He doesn't actually, like, start decapitating them. people. He doesn't actually start, like, <laughs> melting humans. But he'll just, like, dismiss them with some lower lower uh, version of his powers. Like, something that takes barely any effort. Just kind of bowls them over with a wave of wind. And then... But just the idea that the people are like, Spider-Man's our guy. And then they, <laughs> that that gets me uh, choked up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's the best. And then just mm -hmm. Dr. Octopus just like parse them like it's the Red Sea or something. Like. Yep. I, I fall for it every time. Uh, well, that's all I've got for you, Tom. I, I really appreciate you doing this. Thanks again for talking to me. Of course. Now, this is my pleasure and best all the best to you in your future endeavors, and you will be back. Yes. I can tell. They haven't heard the last from me. No, they have not. You're too good at it for them to, for you to be done. <laughs> That's the sweet of you to say. Thanks again, Tom. Well, you're welcome, of course. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, that was a lot Absolutely. of fun. Hi, this is Jimmy. Well... That's the end of the music, but it's not the end of the show. For those of you computer literate parrot heads out there, stick this CD into your computer and you can see an enhanced video of what we do and what we say backstage behind the scenes.